0: Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion.
1: Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions.
0: We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to this week's FF Plus. I'm Aaron, one of your co hosts, and with me is my regular co host, back in action, Patrick. Howdy, 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 howdy. And tonight we are joined by returning guest host and contributor, Aaron Hundley.
2: Bonjour.
0: Ooh, wow. Are you coming to us from France?
2: Man, I wish. I did have a baguette tonight, so I feel slightly French.
0: I thought maybe it would be, yeah, I thought maybe it was either that or you watched Beauty and the Beast. One of the two.
2: Oh, gosh, even better.
0: You should do that while eating baguettes, and then you'll really feel French.
2: With like a beret, some wine and cheese. Make it like an adult Disney night.
0: Ooh. There we go. Hey, that, part of that. That could tie into something we're going to talk about later in this podcast.
2: Ooh, perfection. Uh,
0: well done. Well, listeners, we have a super packed episode for you. Usually we try to keep these shorter, but I'm going to be honest right up front and tell you this might go longer than the 45 minutes we aim for. We have a ton of content to go over. We have three reviews. We have a couple trailers we're going to discuss. And then, as Aaron kind of briefly alluded to there with Disney, we're going to talk a little bit about Disney Plus and the new announcement they made regarding the details around their subscription service. But you can always find timestamps in our episode show notes if you are so inclined and you want to skip over a certain thing and get to another piece of the show. And with that said, we're going to jump right in. Everything here is spoiler-free as well, so you're safe to listen, and we hope you enjoy. Our first review is of a movie that is coming out. It will be in theaters April 12th. This film is called Little, and Aaron was able to see this one early for us, and so we are anxiously awaiting to hear what you thought. We don't even know what Aaron thought, so we get to find out along with you listeners. Um, so yeah, Aaron, hit us with uh, your, your review of Little. What did you think of that one?
2: So a lot of people, when the trailers first came out, was like, oh, this is just like the black version of 13 going on 30. And let me tell you, it is the furthest thing from that. Little is such an amazing concept. And I'm going to try to refrain from using words that make the movie sound ironically smaller than it is. So I'm going to try to stay away from things like adorable or cute, because it does actually land a couple of punches that really hit home for a lot of people in the audience. Um, I know that some people apprehensively thought that this was a movie that was going to be geared toward primarily audiences of color. And while I do think that there's a lot of relatable content in there for us, I feel like this is a movie that will touch on audiences everywhere. Um, It is the I mean, for a brief synopsis, it's the story of a woman who has who had a really rough childhood, she was bullied terribly, which I think large percentage of us can relate to. So she learned that in order to get places in life, you had to be tougher, you had to be meaner, you had to push for what you wanted. So she gets to this point where she's running her own amazing company that designs apps. And all of a sudden, everybody in the world pretty much hates her because she's just this bossy, domineering person. And a little girl who believes in her magic wishes that she was little again, so that somebody could boss her around. All of a sudden the wish comes true and it's, it's a very heartwarming story about bringing your inner child to life no matter how old you are. So it's, I feel like with 13 going on 30, you had this woman who started out as a child who just wanted to grow up. And it was about treasuring your childhood while you can because don't grow up too fast. Whereas this movie's more about bringing your inner child with you everywhere. And I think the beauty in that is it talks about being the person you wanted to be as a child before the world told you who you should be. And I think that's a really important theme nowadays, because I feel like we are constantly seeing in the media and around social media that we feel like kids are growing up too fast. Nobody plays outside anymore. Things that seem so simple to us as kids are no longer simple to the next generation. And a lot of this movie lands on punches that are, you know, when a child thinks that they're a lot growner than they are and they're not. And it does it in these ways that are so unbelievably heartfelt, but humorous that it really, like you don't really realize that you're, you're being slapped across the face with this like beautiful, amazing, like story of reconnecting with that person. And like, there were moments where I was legitimately tearing up because it's like, there have been so many times where all of us, especially those that are battling mental health uh, issues, feel like they can't be who they actually want to be because they know they're going to be judged more severely or bullied or pushed around. And this movie is just is just an amazing way to reconnect with who you thought you wanted to be as a kid. The cast is absolutely fantastic. Regina, she plays her character so wonderfully. And I thought it was very interesting because, let's be honest, there's a very big stereotype out there about Black women always playing the angry Black woman. But she does it in a way that you feel like there's like a genuine struggle behind her to be this person that she's like told herself she has to be versus the person she wants to be when she's still an adult. You can still see that struggle. Issa Rae, I mean, she's always fantastic in everything that she does. She's hilarious. Her comedic timing is just absolute gold. I could go on about both of those two for forever, literally. But I really want to talk about Marseille Martin because she's 14 years old. Yes. She was the executive producer of this. Yes. Movie. I
0: was hoping you'd bring she, that up.
2: Oh gosh. Yeah. I am like obsessed with her. She helped like pitch and co-wrote this idea to universal when she was just 10. So she had this idea. She talked to her parents about it. Like, I mean, I'm 20, I just turned 29 last week and I feel super unaccomplished when I was like researching all of this. But she was inspired by the movie Big, and a lot of people thought this was going to be a rip off of it. But again, it's not about wanting to grow up too fast; it's about going in the opposite direction. So she wanted to put a modern twist on Big. She really wanted to come from a position of female empowerment, and she wanted the perspective to be told from an all-black female cast. So I thought she she did an amazing job. Like this movie is for a fourteen-year-old. I just like I I can't even process that.
0: Yeah, it's mind blowing. I can't even. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I mean, it, it's a great film, and I think it, I mean, it's rated PG-13, and I think it's rated PG-13 because there are a couple of, like, sexual innuendos, which you expect from somebody that was, at one point, like, 40 and then all of a sudden is 14. So, but it's not hyper-sexualized. So it's not, like, you're sitting there watching grown-ups have sex or anything like that. It's just, like, there's a couple, like, moments of, like, strip teases and stuff like that. And it's, it's, I really do think that it's a family friendly movie. Like I would say that if you have kids that are between like 10 and 13 and you're concerned about taking them, I personally wouldn't think that that would be an issue. I just, I mean, it's a wonderfully done movie. The costuming is fantastic. The script was great. And it was just, everybody in the audience was laughing and feeling heartfelt emotions while they were watching it. It was great.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I You know, I am glad you have said all of this because I tend to skip over films like this, just based on uh, films in general that are labeled as comedy, that that I would think as think of as <laughs> Patrick's laughing at me. Now that, it sounds so terrible. I mean, I where like I skip over go
2: comedy. see Every comedy that you don't want to go see, well, I will gladly volunteer. We may for be that. making we
0: may be making that a deal then because yeah. I, <sighs> I I would want to do that. I would want to do that. (laughs) Patrick's like, no, I want to go. We'll move to Seattle, Patrick.
2: Well, I also know that, like, my taste in comedic movies is very different than yours. Like, I don't mind the raunchy comedy. I don't mind the Happy Time Murders. Like, in my personal opinion, that was a terrible movie. But the comedy, that comedy style is definitely something that I absolutely love.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, you know, I'm really excited about this one. And I can't wait to see it now. Um, I was, I knew about Marseille Martin Uh, I knew that she had been the executive producer and had read about her story, and it is really, really just something else. Uh, It's You think about – like I have my own kids, right, who are 14 and just about to turn 16, and I think about what they've accomplished in life. You know, getting my son to eat breakfast every morning is – an actual accomplishment in life. And, and I'm this- just going to
2: say, does it make you feel like you're failing as a parent slightly? Cause I feel like I'm like, how does my, how does my future 14 year old become an executive producer?
0: <laughs> right. You know, like, well opportunity, right. I mean, she's on blackish. <laughs> is that right? She's on a TV yeah. show.
2: So she's been on TV actually since I think she was three or four years old. She landed like major commercials at that point, And that was what like started her career, but she really got launched whenever she entered into the TV show blackish. I mean, it's, She's with a stellar cast of what Anthony Anderson, Tracy Ellis Ross, whom I'm obsessed with, and Lawrence Fishburne. So, I mean, she's got an amazing set of mentors just on that show alone, but she's already won like three or four NCAA, NAACP, NCAA, NAACP awards. Uh, Like she's, she's, she's a dynamite. Like she's 100% going to go places.
1: Yeah. And this, this wouldn't take anything away from what she's done because it's pretty, pretty incredible, but. When you're around that kind of talent and motivation, I wouldn't say it comes naturally, but if that's the world you know, I want to be around that world. And I want my kid to be around that world of this is what you can accomplish. And I feel like when she – because she's been in the world of TV and with that amount of talent, it almost doesn't surprise me. But it does because she's still a teenager. I was just going to say,
2: because think about how many child stars were around fantastic actors that didn't get into, like, the producing, directing roles until they were, you know, in their 20s or 30s because they wanted to keep acting. She just loves creating.
1: That's fantastic. And I love that she's not being squashed because of her age. Well, thank you for taking the time
0: to go see that one for us. Uh, I'm really glad. I'm I'm actually excited that you got to go and you loved it. That's that's when it really is a big win, right? Because if you go see it and you don't, it's
2: kind of like and they're uh, like, uh.
0: yeah, and we don't like that. But it sounds like this is a definitely one that our listener base of folks who enjoy feeling their films would get a lot out of. So
1: and enjoy comedy. And enjoy <laughs> okay, let's just stop get that it. Out of the way. I don't not like, like any comedy, comedy though. Okay, <laughs> so, I will
2: say this though: like hands down, probably one of the best soundtracks for a movie since Girls Trip. The soundtrack Ooh. for this movie is fire. Everyone in the theater was dancing. Like, it is such a good soundtrack.
0: Oh, that's great to hear! Awesome. Well, April twelfth, this one will be in theaters. Actually. All three films that we are talking about tonight will be released on April 12th. So basically when you're listening to this podcast, you should be able to see all of these. Uh, So yeah, get out this weekend, take your family, and go see Little. Or you could not go see Little. Or you could go see Little and then take the kids back home. And you could go see Mary Magdalene, which is also not a comedy. Actually, I'm kidding. I don't know where I was going to go with that. Patrick, um, so Mary Magdalene is a film that is put out by IFC. It's It's an indie film. Um, the, it stars, sorry, it stars Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus and Rooney Mara as the title character, Mary Magdalene. The plot synopsis on IMDB was quite funny. I thought it actually says this, the story of Mary Magdalene, period. That's it. So, I mean, it doesn't really give you a lot to go by. Um, for those that, May or may not be familiar with Mary Magdalene in the Bible. She was a follower of Jesus. She was uh, an active presence in his life during his ministry. Um, there are some presuppositions about maybe what her lifestyle was like that historically probably are inaccurate um at in certain ways, and we might talk about that a little bit. But Patrick, I'm just curious. So this is about a year in the making. It was originally going to come out last year. It got delayed. We were wondering if it was ever going to release. It finally is now out. And what did you think about it?
1: Well, I think the, I think the synopsis is pretty accurate. Um, I would probably put the word alleged in there because I'm not a huge Bible scholar, but I know that there wasn't a lot of historical data to pull from when it came to her life. And I have to be able to separate the faith side of my life with the entertainment side of my life when it comes to things like this or Noah or other movies that center around biblical figures. And look at it from an entertainment perspective, first and foremost, because that's what these are. They're movies. They're meant to be entertaining. And then if we get the information from it, if we get some kind of lesson, fantastic. And, and so I was okay with some of the liberties that were taken, but I think that the biggest issue I had with this is not that it was a slow burn. I mean, it was very quiet, very slow. Her character, her performance, Rooney Mara's performance in this was really good. She felt like a strong female character in this, but it wasn't really as interesting seeing the events of the Bible from her point of view. And I don't think it's because it was from her point of view. It was because of the fact that these events were pretty significant just in history. I mean, even if you have no connection to the Christian faith, it's pretty amazing to hear the story of a death, burial, and resurrection of this guy who claimed that he was God. And when you see it from her point of view, it, it doesn't diminish it. It just feels a little anticlimactic. And I think that when you're kind of put next to the story of Jesus or the character of Jesus, it's difficult unless you have something pretty significant to connect to with him. And Mary Magdalene as a character, I don't She was strong, and she, again, her performance was great, but I don't know that I connected with her because I don't feel like she was really doing much. It was almost as if I was walking through the life of Jesus and his three years of ministry just alongside her, just watching what she was doing. I don't feel like there was much of a dramatic impact from a film standpoint that that I felt.
0: So let me jump in and say that I understand where you're coming from, and I think that a lot of viewers are going to react that way. This is a super slow film. Like it is, it is a drama through and through. It is quiet and there are very, very few moments of any sort of heightened intensity or anxiousness. Um, and those all are toward the end of the film when Jesus is going through his uh, crucifixion and through his trials. What? Spoiler. Well, <laughs> that's. I guess right. It is. I guess technically as well, yes, but you know, oh well, I can live with that. I, I agree though with, I loved Rooney Mara's performance here. And I thought that it did do a good job of showing Jesus through a woman's eyes. I felt like it was very much Mary's film that it was showing me the life of Jesus. And, and it, and this is very weird because for a while I was conflicted it, You see so much of Jesus that you can be distracted and think it's his movie, right? It's just another movie about Jesus. But the way that the scenes are played out, especially around him, there are moments where she is with the other disciples quite often, having conversations and things like that. Those really gave me a different perspective on how a woman might have interacted at that time versus just a bunch of guys. And I thought it was it felt really realistic to me. It It is really difficult when you do a biblical movie like this and you put words in Jesus's mouth. That is tough for me sometimes because you're projecting. And I, that's just a a place that is hard for me to, to go sometimes, but I didn't have a lot of problem with the words that Jesus spoke. Some of them were biblical. Some of them were not. Um, but they seemed to get his message correct as far as I could tell. And I think ultimately maybe the one criticism I had the most was I just didn't see a lot of change in Mary I felt like Mary's character kind of starts off in the film as a strong independent woman who's going to go do her own thing which is completely against the culture she's in and that's pretty much where she ends up as well uh she's just now had found a savior uh, in the process um and a very good friend as well, uh, in Jesus, in the relationship that the two of them have. I thought the cinematography was really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I really liked the score, but it is a super slow burn movie. And I think that if I was ever going to watch it again, I might enjoy it even more because I was ready for it. Sometimes when you put a movie on to watch for the first time and you don't know what you're expecting... Your, your headspace can just be all over the place. And it can take you a while to realize, man, I need to slow down to really soak this story in the way that they're telling it to me. And I didn't do that till maybe halfway through. Um, I also really liked the whole cast. Um, I can't say his name. Chi, 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 Ch- I don't know what his first name is.
2: Chiwaten Egeo
0: Thank you. Um, he's Peter in this. I thought that was a very cool inspired casting. Tahar Rahim. Uh, plays Judas. I thought he was phenomenal. Really enjoyed his performance as well. So I really liked this while also not thinking it was groundbreaking in any way. Erin, did you get a chance to watch it?
2: I did. Um, so from the beginning, I'm just going to say I'm on patch side with this one. Not that I, I didn't hate the movie. And I personally, I have no problem with slow burn movies. I do have a problem. Like the thing with this is like you go into watching a movie about any story from the Bible and it's like, okay, you know how this ends. Like it's one of those things where you can't really be shocked by what happens. And it's not that I thought that, I mean, Patrick was right. Like it is an alleged story of her life, but I wanted more like that. At the end of the day, like I felt like everything that I, would like I, the only thing to me that made it seem like it was being told quote unquote from a woman or Mary's perspective was there did seem to be a softer tone around the movie. Which in my personal opinion is slightly stereotypical, but at the end of the day, it does make it feel more, um, effeminate to audiences most likely based off of that. Um, and she was, she was very gentle toward him and things like that, but I didn't see a lot of character involvement throughout, throughout the entire movie. Um, I do feel like she should have gotten way more pushback from the men than she did, given the time and the culture. Um, i have a i mean they only used eight apostles it's a it's an indie eight,
0: movie you can only afford so many actors
2: <laughs> i mean but i'm saying like like they had their quote unquote last supper with eight people
0: i know
1: i noticed like, that too
2: <laughs> just like that that bothered me and i mean at the end like i i think that people just need to know what to expect going into this movie like you said it's not a groundbreaking film it's telling a story that we've all pretty much heard Because I guess what I wanted from this is I wanted more about Mary. And that's what I thought it was going to be. Not more about the stories from the Bible that we've all already heard with no new. I mean, they threw in literally like some of the most recognizable stories, like the story of Lazarus, the story of the blind girl. I am super happy that they kept that tiny sequence of Jesus getting pissed and like flipping tables and stuff. Yes. Like i it's one of my favorite stories, um, but I know it seems like a really weird thing to have a favorite story of that and Saul de Paul those are my two favorite but um, I think that overall this movie just didn't feel any different than literally any of the Bible movies that I watched as a child, and I think that's the problem is i I wanted I'd like that they opened up with Mary's home life, and I kind of wanted them to stay there for a little bit longer in like to explore what made her the strong character that she was. I think that's really what I wanted. And I do 100% love the fact that they included that disclaimer at the very end, where they were like, the Pope legitimately announced she was not a hooker, she was not a prostitute, yes, she was an apostle, she was equal to the men in her following and her preaching of Jesus Christ. So I was happy that they, I don't want to say vindicated her, because I feel like, I mean, after, I mean, she has her own, quote unquote gospel, like it was written, that they discovered it in the 1800s. But like, I was happy that they at least put that disclaimer in there so that they weren't like, we realize that the story that you've heard about Mary Magdalene was not at all referenced in this film. But here's why. Right. Like, it felt more like a genuine gesture of we're aware that this man thought that it would be more important to declare that she was a prostitute. And that's why the men kept her around to discredit any of her story versus we determined based on all of our texts and everything else that she was equal to the male apostles that were also there. But I do think that the cast, the male members of the apostles like should have given her way more pushback than they actually did. Or even like when they ventured into the towns, the fact that she was a woman and she was so close to the men when it came to prayer, because they made such a big deal about that in the beginning. Like I feel like culturally at that time, there would have been a lot more gender pushback than there was in the film.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I think, and what you have is there is a central figure at the heart of the New Testament. It's either Jesus or Paul. And when you have a story where they are not the central figures and you're putting it on the big screen, it's very difficult unless you have one big event in that person's life outside of Jesus to kind of cent- kind of center around. For Peter, it was probably denial. For Paul, it was his conversion from Saul to Paul. Of course, there are a lot of other highlights that you can make, and because of the cultural landscape that existed because of the Mediterranean culture that we have. And because of the limited amount of text, it's really difficult to craft that kind of message of Mm -hmm. here's how important Mary was. I mean, she was an apostle. And so you spend the whole movie thinking, Oh, this is amazing that she's right alongside the men. No, you don't because you're kind of told the beginning, this isn't normal. So just know that going Mm -hmm. in. And so I think that when I, when I, I don't know the why behind why this movie exists. And and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just, I I left my viewing going, but why, why, why is this story important to me? Why should it be important to all of us? Is it because we're seeing someone that we kind of already knew historically was close to Jesus? Well, yeah. And I think that's pretty amazing. And, but you know, the big events for me were, when it came to Mary Magdalene was her conflict with Mary when Jesus came over and she sat at his feet and Mary Magdalene was taking care of the house. And that was a big story. And also that she was one of the two women that said that he was risen. I mean, these are, these are the big events for Mary Magdalene to me. And I don't know that I think everything kind of got leveled in this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a line in the movie that really put it in perspective for me and kind of really just shines a light on what you guys are both saying. Jesus says to her, no one has ever asked me how it feels. And I thought that that was the perfect example of what the movie seemed to be trying to do. And it's not trying to show us all of these events with Mary Magdalene, but it's showing us her, her potential, what the, what the filmmakers believe might have occurred, her effect on Jesus' life. Like that there is a woman that is actually has a presence in his life. That maybe is treating him differently than all of these men around him would have been treating him. And that also informed his ministry and the way his life went and that he is not just God. that He was God and human and he had to go through some of these emotional things as well um, with relation to people of the opposite sex and, you know, different feelings when situations were occurring. Like it wasn't just a – he didn't just walk around like everything was perfect, you know. He had to deal with fatigue and exhaustion and we and then that becomes part of the problem of the movie in a way like you guys are saying because Phoenix outshines her not outshines her but he becomes the spotlight like his portrayal of Jesus as this completely like worn down figure over time is what the spotlight is on and not Mary (laughs) and she's just a side character that's there with him.
2: I also feel like there were two instances that like I I did really love like Mary has this that final monologue where she goes in trying to explain to the men that he has risen really beautiful monologue very well written and I think Rooney does a great job delivering this and realizing like these men are are never going to listen to me because they just think that I'm poisoned to the group because I'm a woman and that's where I feel like there's that cultural undertone finally came back into the the movie and that's where I was like okay like reconnecting with that. And then there is, like you said, that moment where he talks about the feeling. Yes, we tend to focus more on the feeling than the doing or the actions. And I think that there were moments that also related to that besides that line, like how the men were trying to plan for war and battle and bloodshed and fire. And she was just like, But well, what if we were just really nice to people? <laughs> and so it's it's stuff like that that I think that there definitely was a more womanly or softer touch to the movie. I won't, I won't specify that to a gender. But I do feel like they were trying to portray a softer side of things. I just felt like, I mean, to me, Joaquin in this movie, personally, like, I didn't care for. I just felt like he was just like the long-haired version of his character in Gladiator. Like, the way he was delivering monologues and things like that. Like, there was, I didn't actually, this sounds terrible, but I actually didn't, I feel like Jesus would have been far more passionate about what he was saying. And I don't mean that in, like, an angry way, but I literally felt like, Joaquin, I agree there was no conviction behind the words of what Joaquin was saying and that could be because Joaquin is, is an atheist in real life so it's and, and I'm not I mean he's an actor so hopefully he can act that out but it really could be because he has not felt the power or the magnitude of those words which a person of faith might feel personally and so it could be that that was weighted whenever he delivered it. I just didn't really feel a connection to him as Christ.
1: Yeah that's totally fair too. I maybe mean, well, that was by design because yeah. of the fact that it's not his story
0: it's hers. I th- yeah, I think True, yeah. I think it very well could have been. It could have been I think the fatigue and the exhaustion he continually seemed to be exhibiting was intentional and was in, I think it was intended to draw the attention to her or away from him and maybe more to her and it just doesn't always work. So but yeah, it's uh so this movie will be coming out as well this weekend uh, in limited release I believe. It's an IFC pictures so that's usually the case. I know that they were trying to get it out for Easter, which is what, two weeks away? Is that right,
1: guys? One week, yep. two weeks? I couldn't see yeah. your fingers. Patrick. Palm, palm, palm Sunday is <laughs> three days, so yeah, yeah. About,
2: yeah, about a week and a
1: half.
0: So that's the the timing of this one, um, and yeah, check this one out if you... I
2: believe it will also be on Prime Video. That's
0: Ooh, well, you would be the one to know. You're our inner connection to Amazon. All right, well, last review, we are going to be chatting about Netflix's newest film. We seem to be doing that a lot recently. This one is called The Perfect Date, and the synopsis is this. To save up for college, Brooks Radigan creates an app where anyone can pay him to play the perfect stand-in boyfriend for any occasion. This is a high school comedy, and Patrick's little eyeballs sparked up as soon as he saw that it existed, because that's what Patrick loves. And I was brought in to Yay! watch it as well.
1: And Movies yeah. that take place in high school, not just comedies. But yes, they tend to be comedies. <laughs> uh, isn't that funny? Or isn't that ironic? Okay. Dead yeah. Poet Society. High school. I Breakfast Club. High school. Hilarious. Okay. Thank you.
2: Thank
1: you. Patrick, You're what would you back. think?
2: Okay.
1: What did I think? Well, it was as expected. I saw the trailer for this. And yes, I got giddy because... I pretty much knew how this thing was going to go from the beginning. And for me, it was enjoyable. I had a good time with it. It's one that I may watch at some point again with other people that might be interested. My, my, my wife might be interested in it. But I think the issue that I have is also the thing that I tolerated the most, which is that it felt like a mashup of all the great rom-com cliches that we've seen over the last... 20 years. You have parents that are idiots who become not so idiotic. Uh, you have the one that should be with you is actually the one that's right in front of you. Fake relationships to get something else. Lying to get what you want. The I was wrong moment. I mean, it really felt like I was going, okay, did they get that? Yep, they got that. Yep, they got that. And I do the same thing around Christmas when my wife queues up all the Hallmark movies. I'm like, okay, where's the moment where there's miscommunication <laughs> right before the girl gets... And so it was very predictable, but I don't think that should necessarily negate uh, the movie's value for me. I like the fact that when you can take something that's formulaic and give me a fresh take on it, I thought it was pretty fantastic. You can just repackage it in a way that doesn't have to feel like new and ah, but really more like, oh, that's a fun way to think about it. It's a fun little interpretation. I thought the cast was pretty fun. I thought that the two leads... Had a lot of great chemistry together. They felt a lot like um, the two leads in Duff, which I absolutely adore. At some point, I'll have somebody else on the show to cover this with me. Didn't you make me buy this one
0: day? No, 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 no,
1: no. no. I bought it for our Voodoo Library. I knew it was in there. I said, you're welcome, okay? (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) (laughs) right. And I was like, welcome for what? I'm not watching this. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So if anybody out there is listening and you want to be on the show... We'll have a gap at some point, and you can come on and you can talk about Duff with me. Anyway, not well. starring Hillary Duff, sadly. No, it's not, st- not starring Hillary Duff. <laughs> In any case, but I really liked it because it used the best parts of these comedies to make them work. Uh, to an extent, I-, I think I thought the soundtrack was very youthful. In fact, I was telling you this offline, Aaron, that I was watching it with the subtitles on because I was watching it after my uh, my family went to bed, and at one point the music starts playing. And in brackets, it says, sentimental music here. And I'm like, yep, that pretty much nails it. Um, Kind of feels like Sierra Burgess light for me. And so overall, I I had a good time with it.
0: Well, I did too. And (laughs) I felt a little guilty that I had a good time with it. When I ended, actually, it's I thought it was hilarious. You and I did talk about this before the show a little bit, how we both had the same response. I, too, was literally writing down checkboxes of, Cliches um, as they were happening. You know, oh, hey, it has a boy and a girl who pretend not to like each other and use each other to get to someone they actually like, but of course that goes poorly, and they realize that they really like each other and they should be together, and it just goes through those normal story beats that we're so used to. And I found it very conflicting because I was at the same time I was rolling my eyes about them. I, at the end of the film, actually was kind of moved a little bit, and I found it really charming, and I think that there was just enough of a twist on the ending, just enough of a good decision made that is a little different than the cliche that wraps it up and puts it in a better light for me. Like you said, the chemistry between the two leads who play Brooks and Celia is fantastic. Brooks is played by... Uh, an actor named Noah, and we can't remember his last name, but he was in, what was it called, Aaron? To All the Boys I Loved? Is that what it was called? To
2: All the Boys I've Loved Before.
0: That one. Um I know a lot of folks watched that last year and really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen it yet, but he's the, the actor from that. Um I was torn on him. I really like him in his moments with Celia, who was an actress uh from Ally and AJ on the Disney Channel, originally, but I, I like them together. But when he was kind of without her, I didn't like him as much, personally. Um, I really liked her. I found that she is that normal cliché of the classic, witty, sarcastic, bantering high school girl. And I am super attracted to that. Not the high school part, but the classic, witty, <laughs> sarcastic part. Stop laughing at me, Patrick. Yikes. Oh, come on, I clarified! Yikes. Wait, No! No, no, no. And that's That's,
1: all. We'll
2: see you next week. Have a great night. Uh,
1: We'll be permanently
2: replacing Aaron on this podcast.
1: Our next podcast will be live from the local... (laughs) Oh my
0: gosh, stop. No. But it is like, it is this cliche sometimes. You know, when when we talk about the fault in our stars, it's similar. Some people have a criticism of the way that John Green writes his novels and his characters... Because do high school girls really talk like that? Are they really that intelligently quick and witty? Well, as a man that has an approaching 16-year-old daughter, I can tell you she's getting there quick. And she is able to fire back at me with some of the most awful sarcasm that I'm already tired of. So it is realistic, actually. (laughs) And, uh, And I enjoy that kind of banter between characters a lot. And yeah. Like you, Patrick, I just, I thought it was cute. I mean, it's an hour and a half long movie. It moves at a good pace. It's a good time and it's adorable in a lot of, a lot of its scenes. Uh, it has a good message in the end. You know, it's trying to use a modern day idea of him making this app, you know, to, to, to go out with girls. But what I also like about it is Brooks is not using this app for his benefit. He is using this app as a service to other women. And it's not just women who are his age looking for a date either. Um, he ends up going out and being a stand-in for people of all ages and for all reasons as a confidant, as a mentor. You know,
2: That sounds slightly creepy though.
0: Uh, it could be. There's a moral and ethical question to be had about whether or not you should ever actually pay someone to be a stand-in for you in real life. But – I mean, I
2: don't think that would be ethical. I'd be more concerned about, am I paying the 17-year-old as a 40-year-old to be, like, a stand-in in in my life? I I haven't seen the movie, so just the way that you just said that section, I was like, okay, all ages. So, like, a 60-year-old is calling up this 17-year-old boy.
1: I don't think... We don't see all the dates. We see the beginnings of them, like, how he gets ready for them. I didn't pick up on the fact that he was going out with adults. Like, I thought that he wasn't, and I, I, at one point I think he goes to an arts opening, but I'm, I'm thinking probably at the very least, maybe college. I mean, that might be the only, I, I just, we never see him with adults. The, I didn't. There's a, a
0: woman in a nursing home that he specifically has a great conversation with that has nothing to do with a date. And that, that they're not all dates, I guess is okay. where I was going. Yeah, I gotcha. oh, yeah. yeah. It's mean, okay. exactly. not, gotcha. not, he's not a, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, so the age range is not about him, like, you know. Gotcha, yeah. Being a stand-in for a cougar or whatever, with a cougar or whatever. So he's not, like, dating up the chain. Um, It's more about him filling a role that someone needs in their life in a moment. Whether it's a date or just someone to listen to them talk or someone to, you know, Drive them around as a chauffeur or as a, you know, glorified Uber driver or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I really liked it. But Patrick, real quick, we wanted to talk about this. So the idea that this movie is full of cliches. Mm -hmm. Both of us noticed it, but yet both of us didn't have a huge problem with it. And I wondered, what do you think makes a movie that uses so many cliches that we're used to and that we can point out so obviously different enough that it's
1: worth seeing. I think the fact that it feels kind of like an all-star team when it comes to your your rom-coms, that it's the, to me, it was the effective way that these cliches were used. And I think their familiarity plays to the strength because I never thought that the the filmmakers intended to try to hide that. I think they know what works and what doesn't. And when you can package it in a way that is around this interesting concept, which as you're talking about it, this idea of being a stand in this idea of being you're essentially renting yourself out as a friend or to be. There's a specific indication that none of these relationships were sexual, which I think is incredibly important because it doesn't feel like what you mentioned. He's trying to be selfish with it. I mean, his only gain from this is to get money to pay for Yale. And that's not really a spoiler, like you find out early on that that's where he wants to go to, go to college. But I think that when you have a concept like this that is interesting, you can bring in that familiarity. You can add those particular cliches. And when, when you can execute those in a way that feels good, that feels natural, you don't mind them. And so the familiarity isn't a, isn't a negative because the storytellers are not trying to say something new, or they're trying to say something, but they're trying to say it, say it in a more refreshing way. And I have a soft spot for those types of cliches. I like the slightly nerdy, not really unattractive, but is portrayed as an attractive, snarky character that is has got a really smart mouth. Because you, you want to be friends with this person. You want to, like, I wish that I knew someone like that when I was in high school. I wish that I had these kind of, like, friendly relationships. I think for me, um, it, the interesting thing would have been if there was a, an interesting shift in their relationship by the end of the movie in terms of, you know, what if it didn't go as formulaic as, as it might have. And, but I think that the cliches themselves work effectively because of the fact that they're done, in support of and they're they're executed really well
0: yeah i would have to agree i thought that they were executed very well as well and they aren't done in a way that is lingered on so that i feel hit over the head and constantly hit over the head like things happen and then we just move on down the road um and you know the chemistry and the charm and the the great soundtrack and all of those things kind of just take over and lead you down the path of the movie and and it's really a fun ride so yeah this movie
1: yeah this movie taking place in college i may not have enjoyed it as much because you know high school it's right of course and yet
0: i'm the one getting made fun of here for mentioning a high school (laughs) okay (laughs) well that's the perfect date it will be on netflix by the time you're listening to this podcast so check that one out next we're going to go into a little bit of true talk All right, our first trailer that we want to discuss, or I want to discuss, and basically I'm going to force Aaron and Patrick to deal with it, is for the new Makoto Shinkai film coming out called Weathering With You. Now, Makoto Shinkai is an animator in Japan. He's the creator creator of a film called Your Name you may be familiar with. It's Aaron's favorite animated film of all time. Um, he has also made movies such as Garden of Words, 5 centimeters per second, uh, several more, all of which I find to be absolutely gorgeous and really, really moving. This one looks amazing, this first trailer for his new film. It's got jaw-dropping animation already. No one animates rain and the weather like Makoto Shinkai does. Garden of Words in particular is all about the rain, and it's just absolutely stunning. It looks so almost photorealistic in a way. Score is done by a band called Radwimps, who scored and made original songs for Your Name. Patrick and I both adore the soundtrack. It's a great listen in the movie, great listen without the movie, so I'm really stoked that Radwimps is back to do Weathering With You. The plot is really intriguing to me, and it feels, though not a sequel to your name like a spiritual successor in a lot of ways it's going to follow the story of a high school student uh, who runs away from home to Tokyo and ends up working for an occult magazine he is going to meet a girl who has the ability to stop the rain and calm the weather by saying a prayer now we get one shot of this in the trailer where the rain is coming down it's a close-up on her face her hands rise up more toward her face, and she stops the rain and sends it back up toward the sky. It's a very Storm-esque moment. It feels like a comic book to me, and I thought it looked absolutely awesome. Um, so I personally am really excited. This trailer could not have been any better for me, and my only heartache is that this comes out July 19th in Japan, and I have no earthly idea when it's going to come to the U.S., and yet I want it more than anything (laughs) in my life right now.
1: I am in by default because your name and Rad Wimps, so I'm going to see it. It's going to be in our voodoo library, if it can make it there. Um, I'm hoping for less sci-fi and more fantasy, which I know sounds really weird because I'm more of a sci-fi guy than I am a fantasy person. But something that I learned from my extended summer of anime is that Shinkai is a beautiful animator. But sometimes his stories can get a little too heady for me. And I'm all about watching movies a second and third and fourth time. But I have a struggle with his stuff. And I think this is one of those things where I need the internet to help me out. And your name was that way. I mean, I ended up loving it, but I had to watch it once or twice more to really get my head around everything that was going on. And so I think that based on the synopsis, we're going to get more of that fantasy side. We're not going to get into black holes and weird time travel stuff, but we are going to get some of that kind of mystical aspect. And the fact that he is centering it around something like rain and weather, which you're absolutely right, Aaron, it is beautiful to not only watch, but listen to. I mean, I could, listen to portions of garden of words just on repeat to help me go to sleep because of the way that the sound editing is done in it. And I feel like when you have such a visual spectacle and a great like visual, uh, not visual, but oral sound track to go along with that. And you combine that with a pretty interesting premise. It's going to be up there for me as most anticipated. I'm imagining it's probably going to hit us theaters Or at least hit the US soil probably six months after the fact. So we'll probably be seeing it around Christmas. Let's hope. Let's hope it comes in some
0: fashion. Erin, did you get a chance to watch this? I know I kind of dropped it on you a little bit late notice.
2: No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so I got a chance to watch the little, I would call it definitely, definitely call it like a teaser more than a trailer. But I definitely, I'm, I, your name has been on my list of things to see for several years now. And I feel very ashamed to admit that I still have not watched it. But, the, the way that like you said the way that he animates is it's beyond convention like it's not it's not like you're just watching a cartoon it's like it's truly a it, like the way he animates it's like a piece of art like you're watching it move and grow and adapt and evolve um i think it's a very cool concept i think it's different than what we see from traditional anime where like you said patrick you know it it mixes slight fantastical elements without being an all an all outright fantasy and so I, I'm, act, I'm very excited. I think this is going to be really great. I'm excited to see how the story evolves and, like, where they pull their punches in it.
0: Good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I am also absolutely willing to bring you your name at any point so you can watch it. Because it's not something you can just pop off of a streaming service or something like that. It's not that kind of readily available film. Um, but I do have it. And we I might can...
2: have it on Prime Video. Oh, really? We might. Oh. I don't know. I'll have to check.
0: I'd be, I'd be shocked. I I don't think it's available at all, but... Of course, you probably have, like, some secret super access that us normal folks don't. You know, that headquarters button or
1: whatever. <laughs> Ooh, I like that button. Yeah, that button.
0: <laughs> so there's another film that had a little bit of a t- teaser trailer dropped for it finally in the last couple of days, and surprisingly, it actually releases in theaters the same day, July 19th, only stateside. Um, so we will be getting to see it this summer, and that is Disney's... Live action and I'm doing air quotes because I don't know what to call this. Just call remake. It updated. updated, updated remake version of the Lion King. Um gosh, guys. I- I'll let you guys I go have first. <laughs> Alright, well then I
2: have thoughts.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Aaron, tell us what you thought about this Lion King trailer.
2: Okay. Well, I feel like there's an automatic nostalgic pull that all of us are just going to feel. I get it. You know, this movie pretty much changed everyone's life that saw it. It was revolutionary. And hearing James Earl Jones' voice is just its like a slap across the face and a cuddle at the exact same time. Like, you just really don't know how to feel, but you know you're feeling something. However, there was a reason why it was so much easier and so much more important to convey this story with classic animation. Because there's a way to draw the expressions that you need on an animal's face that you cannot get with CGI, or at least not yet. And so I'm trying to figure out how this is going to translate in a way where they convey something in something other than just tone and body language. Because I'm pretty sure they're just like using actual cats and they're just putting CGI on their faces. I don't know. Like Like you watch the trailer and there are moments where you see like the lion's mouth moving. I think it's Scar and it's like barely moving his eyebrows aren't moving at all i mean i don't i'm assuming that a big cat has eyebrows or at least eyebrow like muscles whether he has the actual eyebrow hair but it's just I, there there was a reason why it's an, it's a movie about animals like jungle book don't get me wrong did a good job but they also they they added more to the story. And I think the thing that I was talking to Tim about People's Critic as I was asking him, I was like, is this just going to be a shot for shot, the exact same movie that we've already seen? Because if that's the case, why remake it, number one? Number two, so then we're all just going to see how much money Disney put up for CGI? And three, are we all just going to go see the cast of voice actors? Because I'm like, if that's the case, then like they'll have a really strong opening weekend. And probably not much else after that.
1: I am going to agree with you on pretty much all of that. And I, for me, this will need to be something pretty phenomenal since it's probably my number one animated movie ever. You're exactly right, Aaron. I mean, this was a movie when it came out. I remember watching the opening sequence, which is just glorious in and of its own right, but seeing how you had this particular section where you see these ants in the foreground with a blurred background and then the camera shifts the opposite way. I was like, wow, I've never seen animation do that. This is incredible. That's what I left the theater with. was like, that's an amazing animation. And now I'm getting realistic stuff happening. Something that I had an issue with or that I thought I would have an issue with with the Jungle Book reimagining and I think that's what it is is the fact that it took out a lot of the songs like it only left a couple of the songs in there and both of those songs were somewhat distracting to me because when you do something that is photorealistic when you do CGI where you're trying to encapsulate realistic animals it's very difficult to create fantasy around that I think Mowgli helped with that.
2: realistic animals don't sing.
1: <laughs> You're exactly... I mean, I mean Unfortunately. Just, yeah. And it's just, it seems weird to see that. And I... But the thing is, is that I know all these songs are going to be in there. And I didn't want that. <laughs> but I'm going to get it. And so I kind of feel like this is a, one of those rare times when I'm wanting to be really excited about this movie but know it's probably going to let me down and maybe for more reasons than I want to admit and so the photo realism is just completely spectacular but if this is a shot-for-shot remake I don't know that I want to see that yeah
0: I so I'm like you and it's easily one of my you know top two or three Disney films and I'm saying top three, they're all within like my top 20 of all-time movies, so it's hard because they bounce around, but I have a huge connection to Lion King, just like most of you do, out there listening, and I have been pretty stoked for this. I saw the Broadway play last year, and I thought the stage adaptation was incredible. It was so shocking to me how amazing it was. Same thing with Aladdin. I thought that one was incredible as well. But the difference in the stage play for The Lion King is it is a wholly different experience than what we're going to be seeing in the film. Um, it is a different design, and it is meant to feel different. And this is a shot-by-shot shot remake as far as the trailer is so far. I agree that the photorealistic animation is unreal. It's like something we've never seen before. But I also, after kind of having my jaw drop that first time I watched it, I went back and I watched it again, and I had the same exact reaction as you guys. And I was like, man, where's the magic? Where's the feeling and emotion? There's a scene that I retweeted on Twitter. Someone had put a comparison of the shot where they're walking across the log with the moon in the background, and they're bobbing their heads singing Hakuna Matata. They did the one from the teaser trailer, and then they did the one from the original. And... You can see the expressiveness of the animated version with the heads like bobbing all over the place, going up in the air, and in the teaser trailer, they're kind of just walking across the log. It's a very different thing, and the tones in the teaser trailer, it's like all dark colored, and browns, and sepia tones, there's no color in Pomone, Pomone, oh my god, there's no color in Timon, and Pumbaa, and Rafiki. At least not bursting off of them, but that's what their characters were, and that was a huge part of their personalities. Was the way that they looked, and they they just jumped off the screen. And yeah, I'm not feeling it at all, and I'm now I'm actually worried uh, more than I was before seeing this. I'm a little concerned because I, you know, I love Beauty and the Beast, and I was a little let down by that adaptation, but it didn't feel like it was terrible i I just i don't know that i want this at all anymore this lion king
2: i think that i think that with beauty and the beast though the difference is is that you're dealing with a film that is entirely based around fantasy you know 100 that a chest of drawers and a candelabra are not going to start talking to you ideally i don't know what medication you're on so no judgment but with the lion king like they're animate they're they're reimagining these animals as what they actually look like in real life. Whereas when we watched them with these bright, vibrant colors when we were children, we knew that if we went out on in the middle of the Sahara, like no warthog is actually going to be this, you know, beautiful terracotta orange brown color. Like, so they're trying to bring Lion King into reality, but part of the Disney magic was you weren't in reality. Like, and I think that's the problem is like, okay, yeah, we know that anim- some animals communicate through song, but they don't communicate through in the jungle. So it's like, I feel like with Pat, with what Patrick is saying, that the minute they start singing, it's going to completely destabilize whatever illusion they're trying to create by giving us realistic looking animals. And so, so it seems very pointless. So here's what
1: I would love to see. And I'm sure John Favreau is listening to this and he's looking for ways to make <laughs> the movie better. Because it, you know, only costs uh, however much yeah, two you, months
2: before it comes out.
1: Yeah, sure, he's got time to go to the edit bay. But I think if you were to take a movie like this with realistic looking animals, maybe take the music out, and maybe add that drama to it. Because the thing is, I could imagine a movie like this without the songs being a complete drama, like being a darker version of 100%. the Lion King. And I would be completely on board with that. To me, that's a reimagining. To me, I think the Jungle Book was a reimagining because he knew that if you started adding all of these things from the original, you're not gaining anything new. You're almost diminishing the original to an extent. And I'm not a huge fan of the Jungle Book, but I prefer it over the original because of those changes and because of the fact that I feel emotionally invested in. In the events that take place. I mean, there are some significant events that take place in The Lion King. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but come on, go see that movie. I said, go see it like it's in theaters, but
0: you better see it before you watch this. Seriously.
1: Because there are events that you want to see. And I feel like have that emotional impact on a realistic level. But then when you juxtapose that with, can you feel the love tonight? It does not work. And I'm going to go on record right now and saying I really don't see it working for me.
0: Well, I guess we will find out come the week of July 19th, and we will either rave, rant, or sigh accordingly on this show. Well, last thing we want to talk about is this Disney Plus announcement. Now, this just happened today. And so I threw together as much as I could from the announce, literally within hours of us recording. Disney Plus has come out and given their price point and talked a lot about the lineup and the release date and all of that good stuff. If you're not familiar, Disney Plus is Disney's new subscription streaming service that is going to rival something like Netflix or the Apple streaming service that's coming. Seems like everybody's going to have a streaming service in the new within a year or two, Um So here's what we know about Disney Plus now. And we have an episode a few weeks back on FF Plus talking about Disney Plus and our excitement about that and our expectations. You can check that one out as well. But we know right now is that it's going to launch on November 12th, just in time for the holidays, because that's smart. It is going to be $6.99 a month or $69.99 for an entire year, which is incredible, uh, the price point is absolutely insane. I think it's so much lower than most people expected it to be. It's almost half of what Netflix has raised itself up to currently. At launch, Disney Plus is going to include 7,500 episodes, 25 original series, 400 library movie titles, and 100 recent theatrical films. They are going to have all their Pixar films and shorts available, as well as new Pixar shorts. They're going to have 13 of the previously vaulted Disney classic animated films, such as uh, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, some of the the more – the ones you think of as classics, actually. I think they're called classics. They have a specific line for them, but those films are going to be available on Disney Plus to stream. They're going to have exclusive new films like Lady and the Tramp live action, and that is actually live action. They posted a screenshot, and it's actual dogs. Um, We're not going to get into that talk right now, but it's dogs. Um, It's going to be the place to see Frozen 2. It's going to have all 30 seasons of The Simpsons. This is part of them acquiring Fox. Um, In addition to that, they're going to have more Fox content like Titanic, Avatar, and Alien as part of their service. It's going to have Marvel series like crazy. There's one that features Wanda and Vision. There's one that features Hawkeye. There's one that features Falcon and Winter Soldier, there's one that features Loki. There's a Marvel series called What If that is a riff on Marvel stories where they go into alternate realities. The first episode of that is actually going to be what if Peggy Carter took the super serum instead of Steve Rogers. Personally, I'm super excited about that. That Just the idea and premise of that show and that episode alone has me hooked. They're going to have Star Wars series. The Mandalorian is one. Um, I know that there's more. They're going to have all the Star Wars films. Disney also owns now National Geographic, if you weren't aware of that. So they're going to have a ton of National Geographic documentary content, including the recent Oscar-winning Free Solo, my favorite film of 2018, and just so much more. So, wow, it is so big of an announcement that there's a lot to process. And I will kick it to you guys because I want to hear your thoughts. I'll tell you this. I posted a poll in our Facebook group right after this happened, and I said... Will you be getting Disney Plus? And I gave the options, yes on day one, absolutely, but I'm not sure exactly when I'll subscribe, but yes, I'm going to eventually do it, and no. There are like 50 to 60 plus yes day one and or eventually responses, and like two no responses. So clearly people want this as a whole, um, I'm just wondering what you guys think of it. Aaron. I'll ask you first. What do you think when you hear that list of
2: announcements from them? I mean, I'm personally excited for the same reason with Netflix. I mean, yeah, it's a great catalog of content, but I'm excited for their originals and if their originals are going to hold water. Cause I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's where Netflix has had the most success. Like Netflix started off as just a streaming service where you had all of this, you know, this, this great con, this great catalog of content. Um, but their originals are really where they seem to be hitting a lot of home runs. I mean, goodness, look at what Roma did in the last year. But I think that with Disney, like I don't know. I think when you come from watching these things on VHS, and then as an adult, you stupidly buy every single Disney Vault opening DVD, so you've got this collection that you never actually watch, but you've had for all of these years. Like, I love the classics. Don't get me wrong, but you can find them online in a lot of places. Some places, some movies are a lot harder than others, and given what they just announced it's understandable why they've pulled content from a lot of different providers over the last year. Um, Amazon, I don't think has any Disney content anymore whatsoever. But I think that at the end of the day, I I, I chose option two where I was like, eh, you know, I might get it eventually, but I'm not rushing out of the door for it. I think that the the originals are really where they're going to have to shine in order to make this service worthy.
1: Yeah, I look at this as an opportunity at some point. To me, as, as, as we get into a world where content is so accessible, it's also so just much. And I, I get mentally overwhelmed at the amount of stuff that we have availability for or have access to. And this raises another kind of interesting discussion that we don't need to have here but maybe at a later date about the idea of being connected to people based on the content that you're watching. I see all this stuff coming out on game of Thrones and how it's just got this, you know, Aaron, you're, you're one of the guys that's a you know, big supporter of it. But I look at this and I go, okay, what happens when the world commits to Disney plus now like you, Aaron, I'm interested in the original content that's probably the only thing I'm really interested in because I'm not as big on the hype of old school stuff or the thing, you know, I like what I like. And if I want a movie, I'll go out and buy it at some point. But the original content to me is where it's at. But I almost feel like there's so much that's coming out that you're going to have these people watching this and that person watching that. And I'm like, well, what do I enjoy? What do I want to get into? And I find the same thing with Netflix. I mean, there's so much out there that, you're, you're just kind of trying to figure out what you want to watch. And that can be a good thing. I don't want to complain about that. But at the same time, I almost lose intrinsic value for the stuff because there's so much available. Like when, when you have to wait for a season to come out, like with Cobra Kai or something like, I'm really looking forward to that. It's different than when you're having to wait week to week on another series. So it's that kind of waiting game. Versus having it all at once versus, okay, we're going to have all this content for you and it's only going to be seven bucks a month. I mean, yes, it's too good to be true. And I think it's, I think it's a fantastic service, but I just don't know if I'm ready to dive in and just completely immerse myself because I feel like I'm going to forget about the rest of the world because there's so much in there. Well,
0: you're right. That is a large conversation that could be had. And I wish we had time to have that because... I agree. There's a big question about the amount of content that exists and how we now as consumers have to compartmentalize what we watch and how that affects our relationships in specific ways with people that we know, fans, podcasts, coworkers, everything. So, yeah, I I would love to have that at some point as well. I'm really excited. Yeah, I'm hyped for it. Like you mentioned, I mean, I'm ready to like start a Disney plus podcast. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I mean, that's the kind of thing like this has so much content that people can do that, right? Just going through their library alone gives you the material you need. What I am seeing is a large number of people already saying right up front, like I'm canceling Netflix. It's not what I like. It's not what my family wants to watch because it's too broad. Disney Plus gives me everything I want in one place. And because Disney's been gobbling up IPs like crazy and buying out studios, I mean, yeah, it kind of is. You know, they've got ESPN, <laughs> they've got ABC, I think, in their pockets at this point. Um, it, there's so much that they own that it can easily start replacing some of the other streaming services for a lot of families.
1: So here's what I'm thinking, Aaron. I'm wondering, with ESPN Plus being a service right now, would Disney Plus include some or, or are those, I mean, I know they're the same company, essentially, but I'm wondering if you'll get the 30 for 30s on Disney Plus. Once that happens, I'm on Yeah, board.
0: I don't know. So, I think they might be on ESPN Plus, which is, I mean. Right,
1: that's what I'm saying, is ESPN Plus is its own service, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. at some point, are they going to merge the two, maybe increase the price, and say, okay, for 10 bucks, you now get all the ESPN content that you want, like your 30 for 30s, right. like your SEC storage or whatever, and. At that point, that I'm like, okay, well, that's probably enough for me. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that a lot. It's
0: going to be really interesting socially to watch and see how this affects the general public and how they consume entertainment. I'm I'm ready to see how it affects me because I don't know how I'm going to watch all this stuff, but I want to watch it all. Yeah. So it's just going to give me more of a headache, like you were saying. But yeah, very very intriguing, and at the very least, it is an amazing price point. And it is an incredible amount of content for what you're going to be paying. And it seems like they're doing it very smartly.
1: Yeah. And they're going
0: to make they're going to make a lot of money.
1: I almost imagine Disney giving everybody like a twenty five dollar for the first year membership. Kind of like what Hulu did around. What was it? Um, Black Friday. Like you had twelve dollars get you Hulu for the year. That kind of thing. And I mean, they're big enough that they can do that, but. I, sus-
0: I suspect that the price of this is going to raise pretty quick. Honestly, within a first year, I expect that it's going to start going up. Um, but you will have already gotten so many millions and millions and maybe billions subscribers, and that they're if, especially if they do it smartly and lock people in. You know, like Netflix did for a long time. I was mm-hmm. locked in at my Netflix rate. The lowest rate possible for years before they ever forced me to finally take one of their increases Uh Um, so there's a lot of ways they could do it but yeah
1: yeah it's gonna be interesting interesting. yeah it is i'm I'm really looking forward to the what if personally that's gonna be my thing so well that's all from us on this week's episode we are glad that you guys joined us and hope you'll come back in a few days for our next main episode next week we're going to continue our theater run with missing link the latest from Leica Studios, starring Zach Galifianakis, Zoe Saldana, and my man, Hugh Jackman. Aaron, thank you for joining us, and thanks, guys, for another great conversation. We'll talk soon.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.